Oh, please turn with me this evening to Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. My friends, we're looking this evening at uh, the life of Simeon and the short record that we have about him. And that my uh, title is The Purpose of Life. The Purpose of Life. Well, you may have heard of the term or you may have come across it. It's not very common. Give up itis. Give up itis. Maybe if you're a doctor uh, or in the medical profession, you've heard about it. Give up itis. It's more scientific term is psycho psychogenic death. Psychogenic death. Have you heard of it? It's something quite new to me. I'm sure you've heard. If you haven't heard the term, you know it. Uh, it's the concept of it. You've heard about it. It refers to a person basically who has given up on life, give up itis. Somebody who has come, uh, come to the end of their lives and they feel, well, there's nothing really worth living for anymore. And so they just give up. Some great catastrophe maybe has happened in their life and they just feel, well, it's not worth carrying on. I really can't go on. I really have no purpose anymore for living. And so they just give up. It's quite common. We hear about it, well not common, but we often read about it or hear, come across such stories in the, in the newspaper or even among family members where uh, a couple, they've been happily married for many, many years, had many good years together, very affectionate towards one another, and they managed to make it to 50 years maybe together uh, as a couple, and then one of them uh, passes away. And then very soon the other one uh, who's feeling that the loss is so great, well, they lose their will to live. The other spouse also thinks, well, now that my, my partner has gone, there's no more purpose for me uh, to live. And they sort of lose, losing that will to live, where well, they, they also pass away uh, very uh, soon. Well, friends, that's a sad way, isn't it, to end a life? It's a sorry way, it's a very unhappy way to end life when one has, has lost the will uh, to live. Well, today I want to look at and think about this old man, uh, Simeon. He didn't lose the will to live. He is an old man, uh, and, and yet he, 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 he looked forward uh, to dying because of something that happened previous uh, to his death. He was able to die in peace. He was able to die a fulfilled life. He died, we could say, even a happy man. We could say he died with a smile on his face because of something that happened to him before he died. He could look back over his life and he could say, well, I've achieved the purpose of my life. I don't have any regret about what's happened in my life. I'm ready to go. I've used my life to seek and find the Lord. And having seen him now by faith and believed in him, 
he felt, well, I'm ready now to leave uh, this world behind. This was the thing that, uh, that, that he, he sought and he found faith in the Savior. So uh, let's just think a little bit uh, this evening about him. Uh, firstly, we can say, yes, Simeon was an old man. And as old people do, generally, he was thinking about death. Young people don't usually think about death and talk about death. It's something abstract. It's something far away in the distance from them. You very rarely hear young people talking about their death. But if you're an older person or you have an older aged person in the, fa in the family, sometimes they often mention these things in passing and they are thinking more about it. They know that usually 70 years, 75, 80 years, maybe a little bit longer, is allotted to people. They know that it won't go on very much longer. They have that sense, oh, my time is almost up. They know that within them, and so they begin to think about these things that make preparations maybe for their death. Maybe they make sure they've done their will. They make sure maybe that their, their sons or their daughters know, well, I want to be cremated, I want to be buried. All these things are going on in their minds. They're, they mention it to their, to, the, to their relatives, to the children, oh, I might go any time. And all these things uh, are often thought about. They know that death is certain. They know it's something that's unavoidable. We all do, isn't it, friends? We all know it's something that is bound to happen. It's, so, it's a truism. I don't need to say these things. We all know it, uh, uh, that we are mortal and that any time our life can be taken uh, from us. But we so often forget it. Even though we know it and we know these things and sometimes we attend funerals and we see these things and we show and we think one day it will be our turn and yet we put it far away from us. We, but this we know is one life event well, we cannot escape from the moment when death uh, comes. What a terrible thing it is, we know. It's a terror, isn't it? Really, death is called a terror, and there, it's a reason. Grim death. It depresses and takes uh, us away from our loved ones. We leave everything behind uh, when, when we die. We leave behind our family, our, our loved ones. We leave behind our friends, all our possessions. All that we have achieved in life is left behind for us to enter into eternity. And it begs the question, and it brings before us the question, well, what is life all about then? If we are going to die in the end, what's it worth living for? Is there any meaning? Is there any purpose to our life? Why live if at the end of time we die? Now, if you're a, an evolutionist, if you listen to the evolutionists, well, they will tell you, you're just an animal. They will tell you, your life really is quite meaningless. You're just a higher form of animal. You're just a bunch of chemicals. And once you die, that's it. That's the end of your existence. Your life is meaningless. But the Bible says different. Evolutionist says, well, just eat, drink, and be merry, because there is no purpose to life. But the Bible says something different. 
The Bible, friends, says you are of value to God. Your soul is immortal. You are precious uh, to, to God. God has no pleasure in the death of a sinner, it says, but that he lives. God wants us to come to know him and to love him and to realize that there is before us the possibility, if we believe in Christ and receive him, of going into everlasting glory and happiness. There is a purpose for our life. What is that purpose? What is that meaning? Well, friends, it's here in Simeon's life. The purpose of our life is to find Christ, to seek the Lord and to find him while we have our breath. That's the most important thing. When you look here at Simeon, and uh, as we said, uh, being an old man, he was thinking about uh, his departure, his own departure. And while he was thinking on these things, verse 26, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's uh, Christ. He, 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 would not see, uh, he would not see death until he had seen the Messiah. This was the uh, promise that was given to him. Before he saw death, he would see the Messiah. He would see the Christ. The Messiah, he'd known all about him. He'd been taught about him since his youth. He'd heard about him from the explanations and his own readings of the Old Testament scriptures. He knew that God had promised a Messiah and uh, a one, a Savior who would come and deal with the question of sin and make an atonement for sin. He'd seen it. He'd, he'd learned the lessons uh, in the sacrifices that were uh, put in place in the Old Testament. And here we see the Spirit of God giving him this mass message, revealing to him that before he died, he would see that promised Messiah, Savior. And it was the same Spirit who also led him into the temple. Verse 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when he came into the temple, very soon after, Joseph and Mary came in also with the baby Jesus. And why did, why did the Spirit lead him into the temple at that time? So that he could see Christ so that he could uh, take up Christ in his arms and re re recognize him as the one who was promised uh, to come. The Spirit of God was working upon uh, Simeon, was teaching him, was revealing these things to him, was leading him to Christ again and again. We see this. And friends, the same Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, he impresses upon each one of us this same message also. Only it's put in a different way. That we must see Christ before we see death. All of us will see death. But will we all see Christ or the Holy Spirit during our lifetime? He comes along our way, maybe from a, from a, from a very young age. And he impresses upon us the most important thing in life. It's for you to find Christ and to believe in Him and come and yield yourself to Him and take Him to be your Savior. And this message uh, comes to us again and again. He impresses upon us 
to believe in, in Him. He is the Son of God. He came from heaven. He gave His life uh, for sinners. He suffered and died on the cross to take away the punishment of all who will trust in Him. And He moves in our hearts and urges us to come and to yield our lives over to Him. He directs us. He strives with us to receive Christ as our Savior. And do we respond to Him? Oh, friends, think about it. I'm sure this has happened in your life. I'm sure the Holy Spirit, it's not wasn't just an accident that these, the gospel came your way. It wasn't just by chance that at certain points in your life, you felt moved, you felt convinced by the things that you heard. Perhaps it was a Christian parent, a Christian mother or a father, who again and again maybe sat down with you and taught you the gospel, and taught you the scriptures, and urged you, son, daughter, believe in Christ. Receive Him for yourself. And you listen, and you felt as your mom or your dad was talking, that it's true, that the Bible is true. You were convinced of it, but you didn't come, you held back, you held back. And then later on, maybe a few years, well, you, were, you went to a church, and you heard again the gospel uh, there preached to you. And you were troubled about your sins. And you were anxious about your state. And you felt, I must get right with God. And your heart was touched by the message. And you were drawn to, to Christ. And you saw Him, in a, in a sense, as the Savior whom God has provided. And you felt inclined in your heart to give your life to Christ. But at the last minute, again, you pull back. Almost you were there. But then you pull back. And you, 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 you kept on your own way. And again and again, perhaps this has happened to you in life. The Lord has come near to you to urge you to trust in Christ. Oh, friends, perhaps that's you. Perhaps that's you. And perhaps you think, oh, maybe now it's too late. I've denied him so many times. I've said no to him so many times. Will he still receive me? Will he still accept me now? Is there still another chance? Yes. Yes, there is. It's not too late to respond. Come to him tonight and he, will, uh, he calls you again to himself. The door is still wide open uh, to you. Come to him. He calls you to take him and to be saved by Him. This is, this is what the Spirit of God urges us to, friends, is to repentance and giving our life to Christ. Well, it was recorded in verse 20, 25 that Simeon, two things are said about him. He was a just man and he was a devout man. Just in the sense that uh, he did what was right with his neighbors. He did the right thing. He treated other people well. He, he treated other people as he wanted to be treated himself. He was honest in all his business dealings. He was a kindly man. He did the right thing. He didn't want to uh, take from others what was, uh, what was, what was uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bad way. He didn't want to steal from other people. He dealt righteously with his neighbors and all who came his way. And also, he was devout in the sense that he respected God. 
So he, he was just and devout, and yet still the Holy Spirit impressed on him, you need Christ, you need to see a Christ. And friends, maybe the same can be said of us. Maybe you are here a very nice person. Maybe you're a very kindly person. Maybe it's very hard to find a fault uh, with you. Maybe you're a good person and you keep to yourself and, well, you just, want, uh, you just want to try your best in life. You're really not out to harm other people. That's your sincere uh, the will of your heart. You have no intention to be a troublemaker in society. You want to follow the rules. You're happy to follow the rules. You teach your children to follow the rules. And you yourself think it's the best thing to do, to be a good citizen and to do what you can to make your contribution to society, to work, to maybe give your free time and, uh, to a charity, to give money to charity, to uh, help maybe the homeless, to take in the Ukrainian refugees. Maybe you, you open your house to that. Well, friends, that's good. You're considered a good person, and that's a good thing. I wish there were more people like that who were good and who were making the contribution to society and were concerned about being good to their neighbors. I won't criticize anyone who is like that. But at the same time, I have to tell you that if, you're, if that's all you have and you don't have Christ, then you're missing the most important thing in life. You're missing what you most uh, need, and that is a savior. You mustn't rest content in that. It wasn't enough for Simeon that he was just and devout. He needed also uh, Christ. And we also, uh, we, may, we may have a good, uh, a good demeanor. We may come across as good people, a good reputation with our neighbors. But we at the same time, friends, we need a forgiveness. This is the one essential thing that we need in life. Pardon from God pardon from Christ. Well, Simeon, we read here, having this knowledge that he wouldn't uh, die before he had seen Christ. Verse 27, there came a day when by the Spirit he was led into the temple, and there the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. He was directed uh, to go to the temple. He was directed uh, to uh, this young couple, Joseph and Mary, and to that baby Jesus. Baby Jesus, only 40 days old, and uh, the reason they'd come into the temple was because, according to the ceremonial law of the time, uh, uh, the mother, after she has given birth uh, to a male child, after 40 days, she has to come and offer certain sacrifices, which we read about in the verses previous uh, to this passage. And that's what Joseph and Mary are, are doing. And Simeon is directed, out of all the people in that busy temple, he is directed to Joseph and to Mary and to this babe, baby. And when he sees the baby, uh, he takes this baby up in his arms and he looks at him. And he looks at him. And he looks at him. And he can see isn't it, the smile that, uh, that comes across uh, his face and the joy and the delight in his, in his eyes, the twinkle in his eyes, as he beholds the, this uh, little baby, and he, uh, he rejoices, he breaks out into a song, in fact. He took him up in his arms and blessed him and said, Lord, 
Now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people uh, Israel. He looked at this baby, but he was only a baby. He didn't look any different. There wasn't any halo around this baby. There wasn't anything special and significant about his clothing that made him distinguish, distinguishable as the Savior. He was just an ordinary baby from a poor family. How did he know? Well, the Spirit revealed it to him, of course, but he looked and he saw in that baby by faith that he would be, he was rather, the Savior of the world. He was the Savior of sinners. Lord, he says, I, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. In that little baby, by faith, he could see the salvation of God. And uh, he knew that this was the promised Messiah. Now, friends, this wasn't a spontaneous, the birth of Christ wasn't a spontaneous thing. The coming of Christ into this world wasn't an unplanned thing on God's part. It was something that God had prepared before the foundation of the world. We read here that uh, verse 31, the salvation which God had prepared before the face of all people and so on for the Gentiles. The coming of Christ was planned in eternity past by God. God could see, God could see that after he had created the world, man would fall. Man would rebel against him. Man would uh, offend and fall away and be cut off from him. And he determined even then in his grace and in his mercy and kindness, he determined to save people. He determined to send his son into the world to be the savior of all who will trust in him. He determined even at that point to send the Savior to suffer and to die on Calvary's cross to pay for their sins. It wasn't a, a sudden event. It was something that God had planned and prepared. That's why all the Old Testament, Simeon, some of which Simeon was aware of, was God preparing the people. This is the Messiah is going to come. He's going to deal with sin and he's going to come, he's going to come. And all these things were teaching the people until this day when he comes. Oh, friends, what a, what a God we have, what a merciful God who has made this rich provision, who has, who, has, who has by his wisdom put in place this plan of redemption and given us the best gift that he can, his very own son, so that we who are undeserving of these things may come to receive him and to believe in him and to take him. And that's exactly what he has done. That's exactly what Christ has, 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 has accomplished, even a way of forgiveness for sinners and a, a righteousness he has merited on their behalf. Well, look what Simeon did when he saw the babe. Uh, he, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And that's, friends, What's something that we, we should do? He'd, Simeon didn't just take him up in his arms and look at this baby and just admire him as we do when we pick up a baby. 
No, friends, he looked at this baby and he believed. He believed in him. And we must do the same. We cannot, of course, take Christ physically. He's not here physically. He's now in heaven, but we take him by faith. He's presented to us. He is offered to us. Salvation is found in none other but in the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of all our sins is offered to us in the Savior, in Him. By taking Him will I obtain a place in heaven. If only I take Him. This Christ is God's gift to us. What should I do? Well, take Him, the Lord says. The Spirit urges us to take Him. You know, when we get married, and a couple get married, you have the, those wedding vows and the exchange, isn't it? Will you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband and so on? And the bride says, I will, I will. The same question comes to us from God. Will you take Christ to be your Savior? Will you give your life to Him? Will you yield over your life to Him? Will you love Him and submit to Him? Will you do it? What's your answer? Oh, friends, say, I will. Say, I will. You must take Him. This is not only for the old people. This is for young people as well as old people. Take Him. Receive Him, friends. Say to Him, Lord, I believe in You. I cannot save myself. Oh, Lord, save me. I take You as my Savior. Lord, forgive my sins. I repent of them. I take you as my Lord. I, I, give, I yield my life over to you. Be my Lord and my Savior. That's taking him, friends. It's so simple, isn't it? But this is how we make Christ our own. This is what life is all about. Making Christ our own. It's not good enough to have him just on the outside, just to admire him, to know about him, to see him as a good example. It, mean, it will mean nothing to me at the end of the day if he's not mine, if he doesn't belong to him, me, if I'm not wedded to him. Oh, friends, by faith, take him tonight. And then, like Simeon, you will be able also to say, verse 20, 29, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Now he's ready to go. Now he's ready to face death. It's not, this is not give up itis. No, friends, this is not a hopeless waiting for the inevitable. But this is a joyful surrender to death on his part. He knows that death will usher him now into glory, now into the presence of his eternal, of his Savior, now into eternal happiness and joy, he knows that death is really something he can look forward to. And he's not afraid of dying. And it will be the same for us. We trust in Christ. We take him as our saviour. Oh, friends, you've met the purpose of life. And you'll be ready to face death, whether it comes, whenever it comes, because we never know when it comes. We never, we're always surprised sometimes, maybe by, by it, when it comes to us young, we, we, but none of us can be sure that we will live to an old age. We'll be, we'll be ready for it whenever it does happen. This is the purpose of life, friends, to seek and to find the Savior, to take Him who is offered to us and to make Him our own. 
Oh, nothing is more, import, more important than this. Faith in Christ will, you can carry with you. We leave everything else behind. Everything stays behind. But there is one thing you can take with you when you leave this world, that faith in Jesus Christ. And you can take it because you'll need it. Because when we stand before the judgment seat of God and have to give an account of ourselves to Him, the only thing that will make you acceptable at that time is your faith in this Savior. Oh, friends, come to Him. Uh, you must, we, as all of us, we must see death, but see Christ. Make sure you see Christ before you see that uh, grim death. Come to Him and trust in Him even tonight. Oh, may the Lord help us to do that. Let's pray together. Oh God, our gracious Savior, we thank Thee once again that Thou dost urge us and speak to us about those things that are concern our soul. And Lord, we pray that Thou wouldst graciously and kindly and gently bring us even to Thyself, that we may put our trust in him whom thou hast provided, deliver us from trusting in ourselves and in our own goodness. And Lord, may we trust only and ever and all completely in the Saviour and know that peace and joy and blessing that comes from being reconciled to thee. O oh Lord, help us in these things. We pray in our Saviour's name. Amen. Now we close by singing our final hymn, uh, number 380, O Thou Who Hast Redeemed of Old, 380.